0: on this episode of Jeff Does Vegas.
1: Some of those songs would have been when they got divorced or maybe terrible things happened to them. The boyfriend left them or they lost their job or whatever, but they have happy memories for some reason. And that, that 90 minutes has made them happy. They go home happy. And that's why we have a fan base that we've never had. No other show has it. We have more five-star reviews than any other show ever in Vegas. <laughs> las vegas
0: it's more than just a city
1: it's a feeling
0: it's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window it's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard taking in the sights and sounds and it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year and i'm one of them Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is Jeff Does Vegas. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 123 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get rolling for this episode of the podcast, I just wanted to thank everyone who took the time to check out the last episode, another world-famous Jeff Does Vegas trip report, chronicling my last visit to Vegas from July 25th to 27th, 2022. We dove into my hotel stay, the restaurants I visited, a very cool tour experience I checked out, and much more. If you haven't listened as of yet, jump into the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com and check out episode number 122, the July Trip Report, or search it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here we go. On to the show. Imagine being able to attend a concert featuring some of the greatest rock songs in history from the likes of Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, The Who, The Rolling Stones, The Doors, ACDC, and Van Halen. And those songs are being played by musicians from some of the biggest bands in the world, like Whitesnake, Starship, Slaughter, The Cult, and Heart. Stop imagining it, because it's reality. It's called Raiding the Rock vault and it's in Las Vegas. Raiding the Rock Vault has been a part of the Las Vegas entertainment landscape for almost a decade now, having had residencies at the Westgate, formerly the LVH Hotel, the Tropicana, and the Hard Rock Hotel. And the show recently made the move off the Strip to the Rio to open up the brand new venue, Duomo. My guest for this episode of the podcast is Raiding the Rock Vault co-creator Sir Harry Cowell. Sir Harry has a long pedigree in the music business, having worked as a drummer, drum tech, and tour manager, before eventually opening up his own recording studio and moving into the world of international management and music publishing. Sir Harry and I talked about some of the incredible artists he's worked with over the years, the inspiration behind the creation of Raiding the Rock Vault, and the challenges of moving into a new venue. Please enjoy my conversation with Sir Harry Cowell. (laughs)
1: My passion really was sport. Um, I'm not the most, most educated person in the world, but sports was my love. And um, I was in all the teams of football and rugby and all those sorts of things um, to a point where I, I entered a school or tried to enter a school. It wasn't particularly difficult, but which was called Millfield and it's in Somerset in England. And a sports school. It's probably, well, it's without doubt, the, the most famous sports school in the world, end of story. We've had more Olympians come out of there than all the, all the schools put together in the whole of the UK. So I, I got a, a, um, a, a, a scholarship there, originally to play major sports, which was cricket, rugby, and football. Um, but I couldn't get any of the teams because I realised when I went there that they were, these guys were good. And I was I was good, but not great, shall we say. And so, but uh, I did find out I was good at rugby and I could run quite fast. So that, that's where my love started I, I was a runner, um, 400 metres. I was the fastest in the UK um, at my age, which was 15, 16 years old. And I was very good wing three-quarter, which is the, on the rugby pitch, where, where, when the scrum get hold of the ball, they row, throw it down the line. And you, you just run like mad and hope you get tackled. And so that's what I did, basically, um, at school. And, and sports was my thing. My father owned a, sport, a sporting company at the time. with a company called Gola, which in the world was the second biggest sports apparel company after Adidas. It was Adidas, Gola, G-O-L-A, and then Puma. And any, any kid in the 70s had a Gola bag. And the, the football was sponsored by the Gola League and all that. So it was that was my sports thing. And my original plan was was to train up and go into Gola and hopefully run it. And uh, I made I made an offer to my father to do that. And he said, oh, I said that I thought, my father was a very military man. He wasn't military, but he was in the war. And... Um, he said, oh, I don't think sports will ever really be big apart from on the sports field. And I said, no, there's clubs. There's the Bank of England Club and the Harroading Club, but they're going to be normal clubs. And you make me wear these bloody tennis shoes um, when I wear, just played. But I want to wear them when I, when I don't wear them. I don't want to wear black shoes. So I don't want to do that. And he said, it'll never catch on. So I said, are you sure? And he said, never, never, not doing it. Not going to get involved with it. So I thought, all right, okay. Off you go, and I joined a punk band, and um, he sold the company off, and then you can see what happened in the sports business. It went absolutely rough. So uh, one of those things my father got, slightly got wrong. Um, so I, I joined a, a, a punk band. When I was at a college called uh, Crawley Tech, it was a technical college, um, and uh, there was a few friends of mine there. It was um, Rob Smith from The Cure, tall tell House tell us from The Cure, Dempsey was in the bass player in the Cure, and so we were all in bands and things and that's how it started and uh, I toured a couple with a couple of punk bands and then I got a call from a friend of mine who was going on the road he said you want a job and I said what doing he said we get paid Um, I was doing a couple of jobs at the airport Gary Gary airport at the time to make myself alive and he said well you've got to put the drums up and Car around, and I said, "I get paid." He said, "Yeah, well, you get get paid, maybe a bit of drugs or whatever." Seventy nine, this was. And I said, "What's the name of the band?" And he said, "Oh, Genesis." I said, "Never heard of them. Well, they're punk. <laughs> Are they a punk band. No, they're not punk." And so I got a job that, that they're working on the road. That was eighteen months, and then my whole career started from there.
0: That's amazing. I love that Genesis. Never heard of them. No idea. Them.
1: It was just <laughs> after. Well, I hadn't heard them because I was into more weird stuff, more punk stuff. I'd got, uh, being a drummer, I I, I did get gobs at, but it's quite a go- way to gob at you when you're in the dr- drum kit. So I was cleaning the drum kit every night and the gob all over it. And I thought, well, I get paid and I'm on the road. So it was a no-brainer. But I hadn't heard of them. I had no idea. And it was a tour that it was called, then there were three, and it was a tour that, um, i try to think who left. Rutherford was in, um, Banks was in, Phil Collins in. They had two drummers, obviously. And the other guy left. who was a guitarist. I can't remember what his name was. He went off. Um, yeah, I can't remember. So then there were basically. Gen- Genesis had gone down from five to three because obviously mm-hmm. Peter Gabriel had also left. So, so that, then there were three.
0: And I mean, you've worked with with amazing bands as well. I mean, you, I, looking over your bio, I mean, The Police, ACDC, Blue Oyster Cult, Ozzy Osbourne. I mean, that's that's a pretty amazing resume to have.
1: Well, I mean. I worked with him as long as a lot of other people worked with him. I was on the road. Um, it wasn't until a bit later on that I, I started being a tour manager and growing up and being a manager. But, yeah, I learned a lot of it. I mean, one of the, the bi- biggest things on the Aussie dates was um, we were somewhere up north or something, and Aussie said, you know, the whole thing about this is you're, you've got to work make the show enjoyable. And he explained why people have got – Travels in there, what, what lives, and their wives left them, or their fathers died. But they're coming and paying good money to come and see me or us or whatever. And for those two hours, they've got to go home happy. And that was drawn in my mind. That was to see. I and mean, Genesis. Some, those dates were 150,000 people outside. We've had Nedworth. I mean, to see those people enjoying themselves. And and some of the, the the other the other the police was amazing that you know they weren't just jumping on stage they were jumping up in the audience and um, it didn't matter how bad sometimes the band was on stage or musically they were bad because they were jumping up and police were great live but the you know, sting was all jumping up and down trying to sing he's playing bass at the start. amazing and I realised that the performance and the band enjoying them on stage was what it was all about if they're enjoying themselves you know, the crowd are going to enjoy themselves. And that's a learning thing. I I learned being on the road.
0: And then you took all of that experience and parlayed that to further your career into a pretty amazing run with, um, working as a producer and running your own studio. And again, the roster of artists that you had a chance to, to work with over that part of your career was pretty incredible as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, nothing was planned. I had nothing planned. Um, one thing I will say, I was never interested in money. I, I, I had money, shall we say. I always had money. Um, somehow I found money. So money was never it was about enjoyment and, and enjoying my life. And um, I found that if I enjoyed my life and I was good at what I did, the money would follow. And I haven't made as much money and I've given a lot of it away and not really interested. But now I'm, I'm older, I'm starting to realise that money is quite helpful now. But in those days, money did not motivate me at all. Absolutely not motivated. Uh, it was just enjoying life, traveling the world. I really wanted to travel the world. And that was, this was one of the ways of traveling the world without having to pay for it myself. So I've been most of the places around the world. I've been there. Most of Europe, I've been once or twice or three times or whatever. Um, I've flown. I've gone to America every single year, at least once since 1981. I don't know how many people can say that. Now I, I, I go, fly, I fly to America probably four times a year, but I have been every single year. Even when the lockdown COVID came, I still managed to travel. That the year it, 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 it started, the year it finished, and I never, I've never missed a year not being in America. So that, that's quite something for me. Do you ever
0: just sort of every once in a while take a step back, look back on your life and all of the the things you've done and the people that you've worked with and the places you've gone and think? Holy shit! This is this is a bizarre life that I've led.
1: I never look at it because I forget about what I've done. Sometimes <laughs> it, it, you, you're you, you doing things of actually maybe write stuff down. I thought, well, did I, did I do that? I did that and that. Um, I forget things, but I do know I've had a wonderful life um, doing what I what I do. Don't don't believe for one mo- moment there's no stress in what I do. I've had a couple of strokes, and that hasn't helped. And um, and that's because of the show in Vegas has been very stressful when it started out, and I was travelling a lot and I had a family here, and it was hard work until I moved to America. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't ch- change anything. I, I don't think I'd change anything. I, I've I had a lovely time, travelled. We're really interested in travelling. I love that meeting people, you know. So it, it's, it's it's really been an interesting life. Yeah, and there are not many people. I can tell you, not many in the world, let alone in the UK, that have done what I've done. I mean, I've been in a band. I've talk, I've, I've tour managed. I've managed. I've run studios. I've owned studios. I've produced records. No, uh, nobody has done that. People Often people are incredibly good at their job, but they're a tour manager or they're a manager. But I've done the whole lot. The very few, I run a publishing company. Very Successful. There are very few with the round knowledge I have. And to end up in Vegas, I had no idea or plan or wanted to go be in Vegas. Never planned to be in Vegas. So it, I've been very lucky, very, very lucky.
0: Definitely want to talk about the show in Vegas, Raiding the Rock Vault. I mean, this is a, a, a huge show and it's a big undertaking. And if anybody has seen the show, they're aware of how amazing this show is. How did the idea? for Raiding the Rock Vault come to be? Where did the concept come from?
1: It came from a, a drunken partner. Um, my old business partner, Simon Napier-Bell, you may know the, the character, he came to me in 2012. I'd just been out on tour with a girl called Hayley Westrada, I managed a, a, an opera singer, an Italian opera singer. And um, we were touring with her, and we did some theater. about five theaters. And one night we were at the pier end in Margate or something, and I went out to get fish and chips. And I walked down the side of this theatre, and it was the bootleg Beatles and the Fleetwood Backs and the Australian Pink Floyd, and they were doing, like, 20, 30 shows. I thought, bloody hell, this girl's sold five million records, and we're doing five shows. What the hell's going on? Um, and then about three months, four months later, it was Christmas, we were, I met him at the Hilton in Kensington, and he came up with this idea. That he'd been to, looking around India for to break a a west an Eastern act, you know, whether it Australian or Japanese or whatever. and he'd gone to this bar in um, India somewhere, drunk on champagne, and he went. He heard this great band, and uh, he said absolutely exceptional. He thought it was a DJ, and he went for a pee, and he went. Why right, right he Thought it was a DJ, and there they were, absolutely amazing band, indeed, playing it. And he came back to me and said, what about putting a, a genre of music played by the best band there could possibly be? Because he said, I, I've seen these bands, the, the Bootleg Beatles or the Rolling Bones, they're not normally very." I said, I saw the Australian Floyd, yeah, they're the fucking crap, awful, crap, awful bad band. Now, I, honestly, when you work with the Floyds and you work with these people, they weren't good. And I said, I think you've got something, but the idea of you has is, is never been done before. You, it's always about a band. But it, it, he said, but he, uh, yeah, but if you pick a genre of music and pick all the songs of that genre of music that uh, have been the big hits, the big number ones, then everybody will know them because they're at weddings. What would you go for? I said, well, I suppose at the moment I'd go for the, the classic rock because that's what I'm after Asia and stuff like that. That's what I've been doing. Although I was doing classical music at the time. But um, I think that could work. So I went to see a couple of friends of mine, a uh, promoter, Steve Parker, who ran the agency, um, one of which, which was bought by UTA. And he said, it's a good idea, but he said, nobody will ever get it. And no, no, I do understand it. You have to make a poster up. And I put a poster together, and he said, well, I don't really understand that. I said, well, what do I do then? He said, i got no idea. But it's a good idea. So um, I then phoned a friend of mine and said, if I pick the best classic songs there are, as I see it, or Simon sees it, what about you record it? And then I rung up a friend of mine and then rung up somebody else, and we ended up recording 30 songs in a studio in LA with Simon Phillips, the drummer, and, um, and with all these great players on it, really great players on it. Then I thought, what do I do now? I've got these, these great songs, what do I do that? So I thought, I'll put together a band, and we'll play one off show, and we'll film it. And then these, these arseholes don't get it, and they're blind, deaf, and dumb. And so I did, I did. I did mean, a show in LA with su- quite some of the people who were in the, in the show um, were in the band that recorded it. Some other people came, all all names, like Howard Leeds And so we put a really good band together. So we had the names, and we had the show, and the... And we filmed it properly, proper filming. And then Wendy Dio said, I think the Hilton would like that in Vegas. And then somebody else said, I think the Hilton would love that. And that's, we end up going, on the way back to England, I went by um, Vegas, stopped at the Hilton, met these two chaps, elderly guys, they weren't young, and they showed me the stage with, that, with it, where um, um, Elvis played and all this sort of stuff. And I said to this guy, "I said, Rick, um, who makes the decisions around here?" Rick said, so "I do." Well, let's go up the office and we'll talk about it. And I went up to the office. And he offered me a deal <laughs> out of blue, and I and then he said, "If you can get this together to, to launch in March, then we've got a deal." And that's what happened. That's that's the story of how it, how it happened. It wasn't meant to be. The idea was to tour it. The agency at that time, the, the guy I can't remember his name now. But he was ran it from New York. He was interested in the idea, saw the video but, um, and But But then I thought, well, I've got a home now. I've got a home and we'll build it. And I went to see a couple of big, really big players, Irving off and people like that. And they said, if you can break it in Vegas and people go home from Vegas and talk about it, then you can probably tour it. That would be an easier way to tour it. A bit like you did in Motley Crue. You know, Motley Crue were dead and buried. They did a re- residency at the Hard Rock. And everybody goes home and says, Oh, I saw them the drummer going around and he's singing and well and then suddenly Motley Krubatorian told out. So I thought well that's the that's where we'll do it.
0: After the break, Sir Harry shares some of the incredible tracks that guests of the show will hear performed, and we talk about the longevity that Raiding the Rock Ball has enjoyed in Las Vegas. That's next on Jeff Does Vegas. Something I think a lot of people might not realize about this show is the longevity. Uh, Raiding the Rock Vault has been on the Vegas Strip at multiple different resorts over the last several years. And I know, like I personally, I have been doing trips to Vegas pretty frequently for the last seven or eight years. And I can't remember a time when I haven't seen billboards for Raiding the Rock Vault.
1: The other thing is absolutely great. I love this one, but it's true. We played the Hilton. Or it was called the the Lvh, like Las Vegas Hilton. It stood for whatever, um, and it was sold to Westgate. And then we went to the um, we went to the Tropicana. Tropicana was sold, and then we went to the Hard Rock, and the Hard Rock was sold. <laughs> so we've left every hotel being sold. I wish I'd done the deal with, with whoever bought the hotel that I get the cut of the action. But yeah, we were the most moved show in, in Vegas as well apart from winning the best of Las Vegas eight years which no, nobody else has done more than three I think we've done it eight years in a row um, and I'll tell you something it goes back to what I said earlier on and it's really really digs deep people come up to me after the show they don't have, often know who I am um, I don't go on the show oh, I'm "Harry, it's my show they come up to me and say you, you're the producer of the show and I say yeah, yeah that's one of the best evenings I've ever had and that Goes back to what Ozzy said all that years ago. That and that, even if I'm losing money, I feel if nothing else, that, that those people have come in, and I can tell you that some of those songs would have been when they got divorced or maybe terrible things happened to them. The boyfriend left them, or they lost their job, or whatever. But they have happy memories for some reason, and that that ninety minutes has made them happy. They go home happy, and that's why we have a fan base that we've never had. No other show has it. We have more five-star reviews than any other show ever in Vegas. Celine Dion, Ross, can't come anywhere near us. There's people who love the show. Even I was, I was checking TripAdvisor the other day, there's five new things, four or five stars. It's unbelievable.
0: And I think the really cool thing about the music that's being performed in Raiding the Rock Vault is it's music that is universally enjoyed in that it's being enjoyed by everybody from – kids who are just discovering the music to uh, people who were around when the music first came out it, it's it really is amazing isn't it
1: In i'd say so in america I may not say around all the world um when we came doing and we did change it slightly to make it more songs that were big because some songs were big in america weren't necessarily big over here but as, as a rule yes i mean in america long may it last it won't last forever but Classic rock, still. You know, when you go to a petrol station or a gas station or a shopping market, you know normally you don't hear hip hipity hop. You hear classic rock normally. So it's it's part of your life, part of your lifestyle. It isn't part of our last lifestyle.
0: I want to talk a little bit about the lineup of performers that you've got for this show because it it really is incredible. People need to realize that raiding the rock vault is not a a tribute show this is not a show of impersonators and, and i don't want to crap on any of those impersonators or tribute bands because some of them are are really really incredible but the people that you've got performing in this show are legit world-class rock stars
1: yeah yeah i mean that, that was always the idea and and it was always the idea if they, if they misbehave, they get fired yeah, um, bringing other people in when they, when they were touring, as well. so I, so is that never? You never know who's going to be in the room, and and I never tell people because I won't do that. When people write in, who's in the show? You know, on Tuesday, I don't really tell them. I say they it could, they could be in, but we never guarantee till the day off because especially with COVID, it's all, it's all over the place. So um, things change, and that's what's exciting, you know. Oh, I, oh, I, Who do you see? Um, playing that oh I saw Doug Aldridge but no I saw I I saw him people and they want to come back and see it again encourages people you know and that's and and encourages the band the band are playing with different people as well I mean David Amasa I always thought David Amasa for Air Supply why would he want to come in you know Um, and he enjoys it because he's been playing his old shit song for years 18 years and some of the songs are quite difficult to play for him you know he's that easy and he, he he finds it challenging and different. He loves loves being it. will come in for a couple of weeks, no more. He's got things to do, but he he enjoys it, and that's lovely to have him in the room, you know. Um, Doug, um and and Doug from uh, White Steak and all and all sorts of people here, yeah. yeah
0: do you just have like a Rolodex of names that you can just call when you need somebody to be a part of the show? Is that how it works? You just pick up the phone and call whoever and say, Hey, uh, I need you to be a part of rating the rock vault this week. Can you get to Vegas?
1: No, I'm not. I, I, I'd like to say I do, but I don't um, No, I do have, I do know a few people, but it's normally the people who are in the show that say, why don't we get him in? Or I'll, I'll ask him. I mean, like for instance, we got, um, our drummer at the moment is Blas Elias, who's in the uh, Trans-Iberian Orchestra. And uh, my girl, was in. My, one of my singers was in an accident recently, and she's at the show. So I thought, oh, my God, we're opening the show up. We've got no singer. And he said, why don't we try Georgia? From, she's in, in the show. And she's English. So I, and I've seen the Trans-Iberian Orchestra. And I know what she looks like. She looks great. She's a real She's been in uh, 10 years. And so we called her up. She came down and... I said hello to her, interviewed her, and she's in the show now, you know. So it, it, it's, it's word of mouth, you know, people get out. And, and people, and then, to be honest, quite a lot of people come to me and say, I'd like to be in the show. I pay really well. Um, that's my problem. If, if things go wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm not like a proper covers bag. If you get £150 an hour or £100 a shot, I pay a lot more than that. So they've got to be good otherwise I can't have them on. They've got to have some sort of noteworthy and it doesn't matter how good they are, they haven't got some noteworthy name they've been paid in this band, they can't be in it. That's, that's the deal. Every now and then I'll put somebody that's maybe not because I'm called out because, especially at the moment everybody's out on the road that I'm trying to get the money at. So it's uh, July, normally it's September I'm, um, I'll be back again but July and August are really hard. That's when all the classic rock acts are going out as packages And it's difficult to get anybody in the band, but so far survived. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting, you know,
0: could you run through some of the tracks that, uh, that are performed in this show? Because I mean, again, it's, it's classic rock. It's very familiar music. It's music that I think pretty much everybody knows. They, they've heard it at some point in their lives, but what are some of the big ones that, uh, that the band performs?
1: We start off with uh, something. What we start with, We've obviously got the Who, my generation, Jimi Hendrix. So we're working through from the sixties. almost, and trust me, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit lost. But we've got everybody. We end up with ACDC and Van Halen. We've got a Foreigner song in there. We've got a Journey song in there. So as we run along, we've got. um we have a couple of medalists. We've got the Floyd. And we've got. Um, we and Supertramp once early days. Um, I try and think, and, and uh, Boston, uh, uh, you know, uh, not, so we've got quite a few of them. They all and they do change every now and then as well. You um, know, we've put a Rolling Stone in there now, which um, is a duet girl. The the duet Rolling Stone ever did, "Give Me Shelter." Um, so we do change things up a little bit just to, And uh, every time we hit a particular period, we'll say to people, "Here are the ten songs we don't have any more." Who vote for the one you want to be in the on. Enc- we never do an encore, ever do an encore. When we hit the 500 show, the 1000 show, the one that we'll, we'll do something special on that night, you know. But they're all there. It, it all changes. I'm um, trying to think who else we got. Hendrix. I don't, I don't know what we're, <laughs> I, I can't really remember. It's but but all the, all the, you never make everybody happy. People say, well, I haven't got the Kiss song. Well, we haven't got the Kiss song. Because I don't think, people think Kiss is the biggest band in the world. They may be, but in, the, in Europe, they're not necessarily well-known. And we try to have the well-known songs that are not just rock. They're the ones that have been number one in the Billboard contemporary charts. That's the winner. So that everybody, not necessarily into hard rock or into classic rock or into In the country will they know those songs because they were number one in the crossover charts, you know? So that's what we try and do.
0: You mentioned some of the resorts and hotels that Raiding the Rock Vault has been at over the past uh, several years in Vegas. You've been at the Westgate or the LVH as it was at the time. You've been at the Tropicana. You've been at the Hard Rock. Now, here it is, 2022. You guys have moved to another hotel and another new venue. Um, you are now off the strip at the Rio in a brand new spot called the Duomo. Um, what's it been like moving into this new venue and, and being able to open a brand new venue?
1: Mm. bit of a nightmare, really. We were supposed to go in and um, start in March, um, and they had lots of problems. It was a brand-new space that, that, that my friend Tony had. Uh, uh, I wanted to try and be in a venue with 300 people, which is what we had with the, the hard rock, the, vi- the vinyl room, and it worked for us. It worked for them, and it worked for us. And his smaller club only had 200, and it was really tightly fit. So I said, why don't you go for the room the Chippendales have got? Chippendales had just left the Rio. And then they, uh, Caesars got rid of a load of shows and everything, decided to get out of it, entertainment as we know it. And um, they came back, unfortunately, and took over their old room. They couldn't get a room anywhere else. So Tony found this area near the Kiss area on on down floor and thought it was a restaurant beforehand. um, Like a bit like, Benihana's type thing. And uh, so it's got a very low ceiling. which is not perfect, but we got around it. And he rebuilt it. They built it out. They built it into a 300-seater venue, a wonderful, nice bar, and an Italian pizza-type place. So that's all part of this whole venue. And, it, and it's lovely. It's new. It was a bit of a headache because we, we were, they were running late. They couldn't get permission for this and that. You know, the normal thing council wouldn't take, the Nevada was saying, no, you can't do that. The steps too bloody high and not low enough. But it went on and on and on. But eventually we got in there. Three months later, I wanted to get in there. Um, but we got in there. Everything was new. We had to build a new stage. Um, we had put a PA system in there, lighting system. So it was a lot of work. But we got a room that we, we like, we love and like, and it works for us. We were there putting it together. My team, who've been with me for probably eight or nine years, now probably ten, um, put the whole thing together. We've got, there'll be a show before us uh, in September at six, six o'clock. We'll be at eight o'clock, and there'll be a show after us. So it, it's it's nice. It's got a nice feel. The Rio is. Uh, I like the hotel, but it needs a bit of love, and I think it's it's getting the love. It's going to get. They're already working on it already. They were very amenable, not to me, but to Tony, who took over the space. The new ownership were very good to him. They want to create something in that area, which is the old carnival area, which is dead as a donut now. Um, and so slowly, it's becoming a bit alive there. You know? So, so yeah, it works for us. And to be honest, it's not about the hotel. The show is good. If people want to see the show within reason, they'll go and see it anywhere. They go see it anywhere. So I've never been worried about. I mean, nobody went to, to the hard. No, hardly anybody stayed at the Hard Rock. At the end of the day, it was dead as a as well. But um, people went to, see the, to come and see us, and they'd come and see us. That's fine. We didn't have a lot of people staying in the hotel. We didn't have that. Like, we're off the strip. Um, same with Tropicana. There was no reason to go to the Tropicana at all. Nobody, nobody went. They they put a, a restaurant in there, um, run by something Irving at or something. It's um, called English Scottish guy uh, chef. Nobody goes there. Nobody goes there at all. If you've got a good show, they go there. And that's what the Hilton realized, the people who ran the LVH, they realized um, that we pulled people in. And to have a billboard, number one show in Las Vegas two years or three years before at the LVH meant meant something good to them. It helped them. So that's we needed to find people who understood the show, brought people in, made people happy, and they spent money. Our people have money. They spend it, they buy drinks, they gamble. We know that. We know that. They spend money on food. They may not stay in a hotel, but I know quite a few people stay at the rear. So it works for everybody. Everybody, I don't care about money. If I make money and the hotel make money, we're all happy. As long as we all make money, we're all happy.
0: Well, as I say, I can't remember a a time on any of my recent trips to Vegas when I haven't been leaving the airport and seen a billboard or a cab sign or a digital billboard or something advertising, raiding the rock vault. So obviously you, you guys are doing something right. It's, it's working.
1: It works. It works. What I've done is one of the things I've learned from the very beginning was that coming into Vegas was a big spend. Everybody tried to smother me. Rock of Ages tried to close me down. They doubled their spend at radio and everybody tried to close me down. People gave me three months. Well, it got it slightly wrong, and <laughs> and um, I worked out from from learning not not because I, I I'm clever, I because I don't know Vegas, but learning that if I keep the show going long enough and people going back and telling people it's the same idea that Motley who had coming back and saying, "Oh, you go to Vegas, that show, rock, rock, the Rock, the well, you got to go and see it," and people wrote that on TripAdvisor, I could stay, and that's why we're there. That's why. Um, People love us and they enjoy it and have a great night, and they tell the whole world and you can't buy that That's, if you want to you know if you want to have a good restaurant, you've got to have good service, look after people. if I see a bad review and I think I've upset somebody or given them a rubbish night I'll approach them, and I'll say, "Look, you have your money back. why'd you why, why? We had a one-star review once well first whatever, and we never once said I'll sure them and the girls said, "Oh I didn't like this show anymore." I thought, I've ruined the night. I can't, I can't live with that. So I wrote to her and I said, I want to give you your money back. Please explain to me why I ruined your night or why you're not happy with us. You can give us a one star review. We've never had one. Always get five stars or four. And she said, well, I came to see Doug and I came to see um, someone else. Oh, I came to see Hugh McDonald. And I said, well, Hugh's out with Bon Jovi, so I couldn't have him. Doug's just had a baby. Well, he and his wife had a baby, and, and he got a And she was at the and she come to see those two people particularly. And she thought, I said they've done six years on a plane. I said you come one night. And she said, Oh, I thought it was one off gig. I said, no, That's not one off gig. They're just. <laughs> and she, she said, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. And she wrote five star review. And mm-hmm. and that and, that, and that made me feel happy that I hadn't ruined the night because that awful she paid. $50 I r- ruined their night but she didn't realize she thought it was a one-off thing and they, you know, it wasn't we do five nights a week you know like once, once she knew the story she was happy
0: Sir Harry Cowell thank you once again for taking the time to jump on and uh, have a conversation uh, about Raiding the Rock Vault and sharing the story of the show I, I really do appreciate it and looking forward to checking out Raiding the Rock Vault on an upcoming trip to Vegas
1: Thank you very much sir thank you
0: For tickets and info on Raiding the Rock Vault, visit RaidingTheRockVault.com. Also, be sure to follow them on Facebook at Raiding the Rock Vault and on Twitter and Instagram at Rock underscore Vault. Of course, as always, you can find these links in the show notes at JeffDoesVegas.com. that wraps up another episode of jeff does vegas if you've got feedback on this episode of the show or any other episode for that matter or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast please feel free to reach out to me via facebook twitter or instagram at jeff does vegas or drop me an email directly at jeff at jeff does Vegas.com.